0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Selling Greenville, your favorite real estate podcast here in Greenville, South Carolina. And I am your host, as always, Stan McCune, realtor right here in the Greenville area of South Carolina. You can find all of my contact information in the show notes slash show description, depending on what podcast app you're using. Um, Also, depending on what podcast app you're using, please Leave me a five-star rating for the show. Please leave a short little review. Not every podcast app allows for that. The main one is the Apple Podcast app. Um, And if you're just clicking the link, for instance, some of you are on my email list. And if you just click the link from the email, that will take you uh, to basically a web browser version of the podcast. You have to actually open the show in the podcast, the Apple Podcast app, in order to leave the, the rating. You open the show, and then you scroll down a little bit, and then you can see where the five stars are. You hit that little five-star button, and that's it. I think the only other major app that allows a rating and a review and or a review um, is Spotify. So if you're using Spotify as well, that's another way that you can support the show. Otherwise, the main way to support the show is just to subscribe and download episodes. Those things all help the show out, so I appreciate it. um, If you guys can go ahead and do that. Thank you, as always, for listening. Um, this is actually my first podcast that I'm recording in the month of September, even though I've been releasing content. That was all recorded in the month of August because I knew that it was going to be uh, just my life is going to be crazy. I'm in the process of moving. I'm staying in the upstate, of course. Um, I'm just relocating from the Greer area to uh, to the Greenville area, um, it, still staying within Greenville County, uh, but a little bit more central to uh, everything that I need to do everywhere that i need to get to um and also we're going from a 0.15 acre lot to a 1.5 acre lot so literally basically a 10 times larger lot which will give us more space uh, but also a whole lot more yard work so i've already had to purchase a ride on mower for the first time in my life um, so lots of exciting things happening i'm in the throes and process of moving uh, which is not something that i enjoy i pity all of you Um, that are listening to this podcast that have moved recently because I am, like I said, in the throes of it. It's probably like out of all of the things that I have to do in life, moving is probably my least favorite thing to do. I'm not even joking. I absolutely hate to move. I've done it now five times in my life, and I've helped other people move as well. Um, Every time I do not enjoy it, like every time I hate every process, every aspect of it um so this will be the first time that i'm actually hiring movers because i think that that will assist with the process shout out to swamp rabbit moving um that is who i intend to use for for our move this year we have um, a lot of good movers in the area i've heard the best things about swamp rabbit moving so we'll see uh we'll see how good they end up being um and perhaps i'll give some feedback on that a little bit later but today i want to talk about What the market is doing because I have definitely personally seen a major shift as we have gone from the August market, what the market was like in August, to now what the market is like in September. Now, this shouldn't come as a huge surprise because there is always a shift that happens when you transition from summer into fall. By the time people get to fall, there's a lot fewer moves happening people typically are wanting to stay within the the same school district, right? Their kids are already in school. Um, They certainly don't want to go far away from, you know, move far away from wherever the kids' schools are going to be. Um, And you also just have the standard people just kind of buckling down for, okay, we're, we're entering kind of this pseudo holiday season. Yeah, it's still early, but Costco, you go to Costco, it is not early there. They are Full-blown selling Christmas stuff. I mean, they've already gone past Halloween. We're already, like, past Halloween uh, in Costco holiday time, um, which is which is crazy. Costco, you know, I, I don't know how they figure their algorithm for when they sell these holiday things, but um, it is already Christmas time if you go there, um, and I refuse to, to purchase Christmas things at this time of year. But apparently, Costco shoppers are thinking, uh, you know, several months ahead when it comes to holiday shopping. so God bless them that is not me. Um, all that to be said, I, I don't know where all that came from that is not uh, I have no notes for the show so I may be just just rambling a little bit here. Um, really, my primary thing that I want to talk about is the shift in the market that we've been monitoring this every month obviously what we've been seeing with what's happening you know with with mortgage rates, increasingly climbing higher and higher and higher. We've seen demand cooling off, um, and we've seen that result in an increase in supply. Now, last month, I noted that we saw an interesting trend where new listings went from increasing majorly to we saw new listings decrease for the month of July. Remember, when I'm, I'm looking at statistics, I don't obviously have September statistics yet because September, we're we're in the middle of it. I'm recording this on September 19th. We don't yet know exactly what the numbers for the month of September are going to be. So we have to look at the month before. So last month, when we talked about this in the month of August, I was looking at July. July had a, and, and this might be slightly different from what we looked at because these numbers do get slightly revised, but July, um, new listings were down 2.9% year on year. So versus July, 2021, this year's numbers, the new listings were down 2.9%. And as I noted, at that time, that indicates that the market is adjusting for the lower uh, lower demand. And so people are seeing, okay, demand is slowing down. And so fewer people are listing their houses. And so what the result of that could be is that we don't see a complete bottoming uh, out of the market. We don't see a complete flip from seller's market to buyer's market. I, I've been saying this whole time, I don't really anticipate that flip happening, uh, at least not overnight, uh, absent some kind of major economic event happening. But we are expecting, and I am expecting to see a gradual slowdown. And that's exactly what's happening. That's what's been happening. Um, and, and the numbers further support this. Um, my own personal business further supports this. Now, I have for the month of September 8 closings. I didn't get that. Could you try again? Thank you, Siri. Uh, I appreciate that. Siri said that she couldn't get that and I uh that was my Apple Watch going off. I thought I had everything silenced. I guess not. Not my Apple Watch. Um I have 8 closings for the month of September, which is a lot of closings. I mean, let's just be honest, as a realtor, sometimes I I have months where I don't have any closings. Like that that does happen. Uh, if just things just time out in just the right way absolutely there can be months where I don't technically make a single dollar um, this is just what it's like being a realtor this month of September if everything pans out the way it's supposed to um, I will end it, I will have ended up with eight closings so um, that for me is a very good month the average realtor doesn't even have eight closings in an entire year um, the average obviously it's that averages are very top heavy uh, and very bottom heavy at the same time <clears throat> all right, so all of that to be said, it's a busy month for me, but I'm looking at the pipeline and I'm seeing, okay, I think for sure I'm going to see a major slowdown in the fourth quarter of this year, um, and and that's that's where we're heading. My business is heading for a major slowdown fourth quarter of this year. I'm okay with that. I am 100% okay with that. Um, Eight closings in a single month is a lot of closings. Um, that's at least the way my business currently is structured. That's not really a sustainable uh, pace for me. And I've been knowing that this slowdown was happening. And so I've been preparing accordingly. I'm, I'm ready for it. And I think that a lot of my buyer clients, particularly my investor clients, um, are positioned to really benefit from this slowdown when we actually see the net result of it from this slowdown actually happening now up until this this month I had not personally seen like a major dramatic impact from the changing market but now I'm starting to see it and here's how personally I'm starting to see it I have a listing right now it's actually a property that I'm selling it's a townhome Um, it's a property that I own I'm trying to trying to sell it at least that's plan A as you guys know, with all of my investment properties, I have multiple exit strategies. So if I can't sell it for what I'm looking for, I have multiple backup plans for what I'm going to do with that property. Um, but plan A was to sell it. I listed it on the market in August. We had multiple offers, multiple very good offers. Um, it was honestly kind of a kind of a coin flip on which one I was going to accept. I ended up accepting an offer with an agent that I trusted. Okay, there were here's what happens. This is a property that was listed for below $200,000, which is well below the median price point right now in Greenville County. Here's what happens when you sell a house well below the median price point in Greenville County. You get a lot of buyer's agents that don't know what they're doing. You get a lot of first-time home buyers that also don't really understand what they're doing in terms of, of purchasing Uh, and purchasing homes. Maybe they they barely have enough money to get pre-approved anyway. There's just a, a lot of things that happen. So it's always more difficult to sell a cheap property than it is to sell a more expensive property. Every aspect is easier with a more expensive property. You have typically better agents representing buyers for the more expensive properties. You have buyers that have more money. You have buyers that have more experience um, and really, the only, the only more challenging thing at higher price points is that the buyers are going to be pickier about some things. But to be completely honest, buyers on the cheaper end of the spectrum, they are also picky. So uh, to me, it's kind of a wash, obviously, uh, just from a strict commission standpoint. Any agent prefers to be working on more expensive properties, listing more expensive properties, working with buyers that are looking at more expensive properties. That's just common sense, right? But from a sheer work perspective, it's a whole lot more work for everyone on the cheaper end of the spectrum. Okay, now with all of that in the background, I had to decide between essentially three offers that were roughly equivalent at the end of the day. And the one I went with was the one that had a buyer's agent that I trusted the most out of the three. Um, the one, off, one of the three offers was an agent that I've actually known this person since school. Um, and, and by school, I mean Bob Jones. When I went to college at Bob Jones, I've known this person since then. Uh, we overlapped uh, several years at Bob Jones University. Um, he did not seem like he knew what he was doing. Just quite frankly, he sent the uh, initial offer on the wrong offer form, ignored all of my notes that said, here's what to, here's how to, here are the, some of the things to write into the offer. Like there's some basic things in terms of address, mailing addresses and things like that, that are important now because of how the the due diligence um, and termination fee aspect of the contract has changed, which we've talked about on previous episodes. Um, and anyway, he ignored all of that. Um... There were some other things about the offer that kind of wasn't strong. That wasn't really happy about. Another offer that came in was way above the uh, the list price, but the buyer had like every way to get out of the contract if they wanted to. They could have gotten out, you know, scot free during the the due diligence period if they wanted to. They had appraisal contingencies, all every single contingency besides the home sale contingency. Um, so every single way that they could have basically gotten out of the contract or renegotiated it. And to me, it was just like, yeah, you tried to wow me with like this really high purchase price, but then you have, you're just going to end up kind of weaseling your way out of this most likely. Um, and so I I went with an offer that was a strong offer in a lot of different ways. and And I liked the buyer's agent. Unfortunately, um, that buyer's agent failed me, um, which I'm disappointed about and it, and I, I, don't, you know, we as agents, we can't control everything, and I, and I don't think that she was uh, trying to pull the wool over my eyes. A lot of work for a buyer's agent to have a contract fall through, but this one, we went through everything. We went through inspections, appraisals, repairs, all of that stuff was completed, and then 30 days after we'd gone under contract, um, I got that phone call, and and that's one of those gut punch moments when you see the phone call when there, there's not. Anything that is needing to be done, right? We're, we're basically done with everything. We're waiting until closing and I get a phone call from the agent for the other party. I 99% of the time something is wrong. and sure enough, um, it was the phone call to say, um, hey, the pre-approval letter had uh, the bank issued a bad pre-approval. The buyer does not have enough funds in reserve. their debt to income is too high. They can't qualify for financing, Um, and that it was a situation where it, it was kind of the worst case scenario because they had a financing contingency in there. So I I couldn't even go after the earnest money in in this instance because they're protected by that financing contingency. Now, if I really really wanted to, I probably could have gone after the earnest money on the basis that I have a hunch that this buyer misrepresented something. To the bank that they were pre-approved with, because they needed far too much money in cash reserves for them to have accurately represented things to uh to the lender. But at the end of the day, the difficulty that it would have been to try to get that it was like I think it was like fifteen hundred dollars or two thousand dollars. The difficulty that it would have been for me to try to get that earnest money was not worth it. And during that time, you can't relist the property, um, because you're still technically under contract, and so. I just let let them go, relisted it. Now remember in August multiple offers on the property? I relisted it in the month of September, a little more than a week ago at this point, and we're getting showings. We have not gotten offers yet. Um, now we I've had a few verbal offers come in that I've just said, "Hey, no, I'm not, I'm not ready to accept that," you know, either below list price or whatever the case may be. Um, and we're getting plenty of interest, um, but it's, it's a different market now. We have seen a major, that that's a, a major uh, switch going from multiple offers in August to now a week and a half and, and no offers outside of verbal offers in the month of September. And what a lot of people are giving me feedback on is that their buyers kind of just started the search and they're not yet ready to actually make an offer. What does that tell me? That tells me there are other fish in the sea for them. They have other properties that they are looking at and this is what happens. We have a lot more supply now than we did even just a month ago. And so now buyers have a lot more options and they're not panicking, they're not making panic purchases, they're not immediately saying, "Okay, this came back on the market. I need to I need to purchase this. Um I need to make an offer right away." They're they're now able to take their time a little bit more whereas in the past it was okay, my options are limited, particularly when you got to that below $200,000 price point. um, They would say, man, my options are limited, have to go under contract right away or else there's going to be a problem. Um, Now, for me, I'm not panicking. Um, This is what the market is supposed to be doing. We are supposed to be seeing this kind of slowdown. Um, I'm glad that, honestly, um, that this is my property versus a listing for one of my clients, I could, you know, it's it's incredibly frustrating um, to have this type of thing happen. But for me, I'm okay with it. Um, it, I, I do this for a living, right? I, li- I buy and sell and list and uh, help buyer clients sell real estate for a living. I understand the process. It does not, it did not, and it does not shock me. That here I am with this property. That a that it came back on the market. Condos and townhomes disproportionately fall through more so than other contracts. Contracts on on townhomes and condos. Um, so it did not surprise me that it fell through. I I did everything I could to avoid that, but sometimes that just happens. You you can't account for like I said for a buyer potentially having uh, misinformed their lender when they they filled out their lender's questionnaire. Hiding something on there, or whatever the case may be, that they thought they could get away with. Um, You you can't account for all of those things. There's just no way to eliminate those things from the equation. And so, um, long story short, I personally, I'm 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 not panicking. uh, the The property either it will sell for a price that I want it to sell for, or I'm just going to use it as a rental in one form or another. Um, But either way. It has been a very eye-opening experience. It's like, okay, in just a four-week period of time, we have seen the market really, uh, really change quite a bit. And we have the GGAR, G, wow, that sounded weird, GGAR, the Greater Greenville Association of Realtors Market Stats for, uh, for this month, which covers the up to the month of August. We had those stats, and these stats also bear out these changes happening. Because I have kind of rambled uh, for a little bit here, I'm not going to spend as much time on these as I normally would. Um, I'm just going to hit a few highlights here. So new listings, remember, for the month of July, they were down year on year. Now, for August, they went actually up a little bit. Now, did they go up to the uh, level that they had in those uh, earlier months this year, May, June, where they were up like a lot? No, but it was still up quite a bit. It was up 5.5% year on year for the month of August. That's a big increase. That's actually the fourth largest increase year-on-year year in, in the entire calendar year. So um, you, let's see here. The month of May was up 12.4% and June was up 18.3% year-on-year. Year. So those are the months that I referenced were like a lot. And that what was the result of that was that sellers were seeing, okay, interest rates are going up. We need to perhaps list our home more quickly than we normally would because we need to get this sold before our home... Potentially loses value, or or potentially we're no longer in a seller's market. That's that's what people people were panic listening during those during those months. The last time we saw an increase over five percent year on year for new listings was September of 2021, which saw a six point three percent year on year increase. So for August to have a five point five percent increase year on year for new listings, that's a big number. I'm not sure what the reason for that number is. Um, the only thing that I can think is that again people saying, we need to do this now before the fall slowdown happens. Um, and so perhaps for the month of September, we will see listings, uh, new listings dive off. Um, that is kind of what I'm expecting, kind of what I'm seeing. I'm seeing a lot fewer uh, new listings than, than what we saw in August. So I'm thinking that September new listings are going to be down quite a bit. People are going to readjust things. I, I think we saw some peaks uh, and we're going to see some valleys in new listings that are kind of uh, not the norm. And so um, I, I think as we're entering into this, this slower season, what's normally the seasonal slower season, I think it's going to be very slow is, is kind of what I'm anticipating. And, and slow on both fronts, both on new listings and on uh, on people making purchases. That's what I anticipate. Um, Pending sales, again, as I always say, um, this is a count of properties on which offers have been accepted in a given month. And for some reason, it's always wrong for for the most recent month. So I'm not going to look at the pending sales for the month of August. I am going to look at the month of July, which pending sales were down the biggest decrease year-on-year that we've had the past calendar year. Uh, They were down minus 14.5% year-on-year from July 2021. Which saw one thousand five hundred thirty-three pending sales through July twenty twenty-two, which saw again that minus fourteen point five percent, uh, de or fourteen point five percent decrease, down to one thousand three hundred ten, which is also the least number of pending sales that we've seen since January and December, um, which is uh, you know, that's that's a, a big decrease. January uh, and December tend to be two of our slowest months, um. July typically is one of the busier months. So that that obviously again indicative that we're seeing a major slowdown. Now what's interesting is when we look at closed sales for the month of August, you would anticipate if pending sales in July uh, were down as as far as they were that closed sales for the month of August would be down quite a bit as well, but actually closed sales were up 0.5%, not 5%, 0.5%. Um, and so still a strong month for the month of August for closed sales. So what I'm guessing is that those uh, those that decrease in July pending sales, um, what we're going to see, the the impact from that is probably going to impact us more in the month of September. So we'll have to see. I, I'm, I'm guessing that closed sales for the month of September are going to be uh, substantially lower than what we saw in September of 2021. That's something that we'll have to track and see. Days on market until sale, exactly the same year on year 21 days. This is the first time in a very long time that we have seen a flat line year on year of the days on market until sale. Now, that's a product of a few things. One is that it really can't go much lower than 21 days right the the lowest that we have ever seen on this graph is 18 days so we're still historically extremely low um but also i think that we we will for sure start to see this number go up it's going to go up that is what we can expect um as we go into this slower holiday season slower fall winter season uh, the, the days on market until sale it's gonna creep up from 21 probably in the upcoming months we'll see it go back into the 30s um that is that's normal um, it's never been in in these low 20 numbers until just recently and so um so i, I expect that number to go up and and that's good. That's good for buyers, right? We we these multiple offer situations are stressful for everyone. It's stressful when when homes go off the market right away. Um, you have situations where it's not even good for sellers sometimes. You get because you get all these all these offers that come in, and it's hard to know who's really serious or who is just making a panic purchase. Panic purchases are not good. Um, I had a contract that uh, that fell through just recently. That was a. Um, a panic offer and then the the buyer immediately had buyers' remorse now we did in that instance get their termination fee so that was good um, but it was frustrating nonetheless that we had a um, a panic purchase it's better if buyers have had time to look at the property had time to think about it assess their options and then decide you know what i do want this property i i'm, I'm not making a rash decision. I'm not making a panic decision. No, I want this property. That is the better scenario than the alternative of they have to make a quick decision and then sometimes they they make a decision that they regret. Median sales price. Median sales price um, is uh, the lowest that it has been since April of 2022. Does that mean prices are going down? Um, You will see some headlines right now that say that. Um, I'm not. I'm not ready to say that. Okay, and here's why. First off, year on year, it was up 14.8%. That's still incredibly high. So in August of 2021, our median sales price was 270,000. In August of 2022, it was 310,000. So that is what you kind of expect, uh, or that's the the dividing line. That's basically. It's not technically the average. It's the median. But we look at the median. Tends to be a more accurate number. 310000 is, right now, your average, roughly speaking, home sale in Greenville County. Now, if you want the true average, the true average is, is $370,000. Uh, technically, it's $370,618, um, which that was an, a 12.8% increase year on year. Um, but again, that's, um, that's skewed by uh, properties at the very top of the market, properties that are selling for, you know, million, etc. So we look at the median. three hundred ten. that's the number that I'm going to be telling people when they ask me, hey, what's the average price point in Greenville right now? 310,000. So that was up year on year 14.8%. The reason why I'm not looking at this and saying, oh, it's down uh, month on month or we're seeing a decrease month on month, right? Because May was 317,000. June was 312,000. July was 317,000 and now August 310,000. This is normal. If you look if if you were to look at the historical graph for this, it is normal for there to just be seasonal fluctuations. Now what we typically see is even with those seasonal fluctuations from January of one year to January of the next year, we have seen an increase. And so the fluctuations result in a net increase over a 12-month period of time. But it's not uncommon for us to see, you know, perhaps even that there are some years, like I'm looking at 2018, um, our graph from 2018, it was hovering right around $200,000. So from, let's see here, what month is this? It's hard for me to tell because I'm, I'm just looking at dots. April of uh of 2018, I believe it's April of 2018, the median sales price was 200000 It climbed up into the 220s and then dropped back down by the end of the year, by, I believe this is November, it dropped back down in November to $200,000. So you would say, oh, wow, okay, so we had a decrease from the summer into uh, into the winter season. No, that's a seasonal fluctuation. These 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 things happen. There's a variety of reasons for why those things happen. One of them is that those more expensive properties tend to not sell as much. They tend to not list as much or sell as much during the winter for a variety of reasons. A lot of the most expensive properties are vacation homes. People are oftentimes using their vacation homes during the winter, and so they tend to not sell them during that time. So there's there's a lot of different considerations when it comes to that. I'm not looking at this number, even though it's technically a month-on-month decrease, unless it's a dramatic decrease, which this is not, because this is essentially... Um, it, it's it's only 7000 dollars less than what last month was and when you're talking about properties in the 300,000 dollar range 7000 dollars is not a lot of money and again we have the year on year 14.8% increase um now that number is a lot lower than what we've seen that's the lowest year on year increase um, until uh since October 2021 so here is the significant thing is that we are seeing the year on year slow down a little bit um and so That's good. We need to see that. Hopefully, um, inflation will start to get a little bit more under control. And as inflation gets a little bit more under control, housing inflation, which we also call appreciation, um, (laughs) will we we call it appreciation. But when it's going up by 20%, that's an inflationary type of appreciation. It's not healthy. Um, Really, I think we need to see this number get below 10%. I think that that would be good for the market as a whole. Um, So we'll have to keep tracking that um, another number that really jumps off the screen the percent of list price received which is the percentage found when dividing a property sales price by its most recent list price then taking the average for all properties sold in a given month and here's a key phrase not accounting for seller concessions um, and, and another key phrase was the most recent list price so so this percent of list price received is is not accounting for whether, a house has dropped its price at any point, And it's also not accounting for any seller concessions. Well, I've got news for you. Recently, we have had a lot more price drops and a lot more seller concessions than we have had uh, in the past two years, really. Um, and so this number is already going to be skewed. We, we would expect this number to still be very high, but even the highness of the number is not going to compare to previous months very well. The previous months that were well over 100% of list price received were even higher than that when you looked at it historically, because there were basically no no seller concessions and basically no price changes. Well, for the month of August, we saw it dip below 100% for the first time since the month of October 2021. Um, October tends to be a buyer-friendly month for a variety of reasons um, that we've talked about in the past. Um, but that decreased to 99.5%, which was the percent of list price received. So on average, a listing that sold received 99.5% of what it was listed for in the month of August. That is a massive decrease year on year from the 100.6% that we saw in August of 2021. That is down 1.1%. We haven't seen that number go down by that much in quite some time. Um, So that is a big indicator of the market shifting now. Ninety-nine point five percent historically still very high. Um, what we expect it to, what we expect to see in order for the market to be closer to what it was back in, um, you know, pre-pandemic, we'll just say, would be for that number to be closer to ninety-eight percent. Um, so we will keep tracking that housing affordability index. Um, that one got a little, a little bit better. We saw housing affordability. Um, go from 75 to 76. That's good. That housing affordability index uh, measures housing affordability for the region. Um, and I'm just reading this off of the GGAR sheet. For example, an index of 120 means the median household income is 120 percent of what is necessary to qualify for the median priced home under prevailing interest rates. A higher number means greater affordability. 76 is still very low. I was looking at um, I was looking at this very number for, I believe it was Minneapolis. And these numbers are way higher in Minneapolis. In other words, Minneapolis is a lot more affordable for its residents than Greenville is, which is very, which was very interesting for me to see because they their uh, association of realtors produces a chart very similar to this one. Um, so 76 is very low. Um, I hope, I hope that that number goes up a bit without you know people's home values completely tanking. Um, inventory of homes for sale. Um, Okay, so this is where we start to see some other numbers that pop off the screen. June was up 42.6%. So again, this is supply, measuring supply. June was up 42.6%. July was up 42.6%, again, year on year. August was up 77.8% year on year. So this is the number of properties available for sale, inactive status at the end of a given month, 77.8% 77.8% increase August 2022 versus August 2021. Again, this is the major, major indicator uh, of, of all indicators that the market is shifting is when we see supply going up. So it's at 3,772 uh, for the month of August versus 2,121 for the month of August 2021. Massive increase. Massive increase. Now, is that how does that compare to the past? Um, still very low. Still very low. Pre-pandemic, we were, um, we were in the 4,000s. The now, it was the low 4,000s, so we're not very far away from that. We could see us hit pre-pandemic uh, levels as, as early as this month. In fact, I kind of am anticipating that that's what's going to happen. But what's weird about this, and I've mentioned this in the past, is how much of this is fueled by new construction. I just ran the numbers um, on what is currently in active status as of right now, September 19th. Uh, 2022. And 48% of active listings are new construction in MLS. That is insane. So people that are not wanting new construction, um, which is a lot more people than than you might think, um, they are, are still seeing only half of these numbers, basically, are resale homes. So I do think we have to take that into account. I don't know historically what what the standards were for active inventory, um, how much of that was resale versus new construction. I'm sure there's a way that I can pull that. Maybe that'll be a future episode. But right now, it seems like it's way out of whack. And so inventory for resales is still, in my opinion, probably historically quite low in comparison to what it's been in the past. Um, Month supply of inventory, again, this is the number that's pegged to the pending sale number. So we're not going to look at August. But July, we finally saw it go above two months. It went up to 2.1 months inventory. That's a 50% year-on-year increase from July 2021. Um, This number, I expect to see creep into the threes very soon. Okay, as we enter the the seasonal slowdown, unless new listings really drop off, um, we should anticipate that month supply of inventory will, in our area, Creep up into into the probably the mid twos first, and then eventually maybe even before the end of the year. But for sure, I believe by the beginning of 2023, we'll see this number uh, in the threes. That number, once we get into three months' supply of inventory, now we're starting to look at again pre-pandemic levels of inventory. It's going to feel a lot slower, but it's still going to be a seller's market. Okay, it will still be a seller's market unless we start to see. Uh, the month supply get into the five, six, seven month range. Only then will we truly be able to say, okay, this market might be flipping back to a buyer's market. As I'm looking on um, on the historical numbers, um, really we didn't see it in in buyer's market territory until it really hit the six month level, and that's kind of the conventional wisdom as well. Now, now some of you might be looking at some stats, some uh, some uh, I believe it's Case Shiller different statistics like that that would indicate that we were nationally at like eight, nine months inventory. These inventory numbers are measured in different ways. Um, and so you you have to really look at it historically, compare it to the historical. Um, and, and that will tell you more than anything. Like if I say six months inventory is when we start to see it go into a buyer's market, you might be looking at some of these national numbers and be like, well, we're already well past six months inventory. Okay, this is, Again, this is a Greenville podcast and everything that I'm saying is based on the Greenville market. It does not apply necessarily nationally. Um, it also is not apples to apples, everything that I'm saying um, to any other market as well. Um, so specifically for Greenville, we, if we see that number start to approach six months inventory, that's when we'll know that the market is starting to, um, to really shift dramatically. But right now we're far away from there. Right now we're still in the twos. Um, I'd be surprised if we're not still in the twos for the month of of August once those numbers get revised after this month, um, and perhaps, like I said before the end of the year, we might see it um, get into the three month range um, or exceed the three month range. We'll just have to wait and see. Um, we have already run long on this podcast, so I'm going to cut it off there. Obviously, I could keep going. You guys know I can keep going with these numbers all day. Um, but I think you get a sense. Market is, for sure, shifting. We're seeing some some big changes. Um, I will say this. In conclusion, um, I had someone contact me uh, on Saturday looking to sell um, a property potentially. And what I told this person, that we had the discussion of what's the market going to do. Is, is now a good time to sell or should we wait until later? Um, I am not a fan of trying to wait until later. That is saying that you're trying to time the market, and we don't know what the market's going to do. If I had to guess, I would guess the market is, as we've indicated, going to trend more in the buyer's direction. So people that are looking to sell, um, I do not try to, to time the market and try to find, you know, okay, maybe it's gonna be better. Maybe things are gonna pick up. Maybe I should wait until spring. Spring is a better time to sell. We, don't, we might be in recession come spring. We had no idea what's going to happen six months from now. Um, So don't try to time the market. I also, as a buyer, I don't uh, recommend that buyers try to do that either. Although if you're a buyer, um, I I feel better from a buyer's perspective, simply from the standpoint of home prices probably kind of flatlining a little bit. Um, But you're also going to find all indicators that, uh, that the Fed is going to increase rates and that mortgage rates are going to continue to go up. They might blow way past 6%. Um, we might, I, I mean, at this point, I'm not going to be surprised if we see mortgage rates get into the sevens um, at some point here in the next six months. And so if that happens, it might completely offset whatever uh, changes in affordability that we see in the next six months or so. So I'm not a big fan of trying to time the market when it comes to real estate because real estate is impacted by so many different things. And generally speaking, those who try to time the market don't don't end up with a good result. Um, So that's my personal opinion. I'm not an investor, uh, or or I am an investor, um, (laughs) as you guys know. Um, I I don't offer investment advice, okay? I'm not a financial advisor. Talk to your financial advisor about all these things. Um, I can only tell you what I think is going to happen in the real estate world or what might happen in the real estate world. But for your specific situation, you need to talk to your financial team, uh, your investment team, and then go from there. All right, thank you guys for listening. I appreciate it. Um, All my contact information is in the show notes. Rate, review, subscribe, download, episodes, all of those things help the show. And until then, until next week, I hope you guys stay safe, and we'll talk again next time.